Tandem Nomads, episode 288. Don't be afraid to test the water, even if the water looks cold and uninviting. Try to bring creativity into everything that you do as an entrepreneur. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and resources to grow a successful, portable business that is aligned with your lifestyle and your priorities. This is your host, Emil Tregi. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. Today, we're going to talk about creativity. One of the biggest assets of a successful entrepreneur is also being able to be creative, creative in the artistic world maybe, but also in how we approach problems, how we solve problems. Sometimes the solution is not necessary right in front of you and you might need to cultivate your creativity to be able to face all those challenges along the way. So to talk about this topic, I'm really excited to have a great guest here who knows a thing or two about creativity, Christina Snyder. <laughs> Christina, are you ready for this ride? I am, Mimel. Thank you so much for inviting me. It is my pleasure, and I can't wait to dive into your story that is fascinating, as well as your experience around creativity. So Nomad Nation, Christina is the founder and CEO of Snyder, one of the best-known and most well-respected artist representation agencies in the world, with offices in the U.S. and in the U.K. Christina has used her experience and insight in the field to build a reputation for developing excellence in the illustrators, animators, and visual artists artists that the agency represents. Many of the Snyder artists are award winners and have been featured as speakers at industry events and festivals. Christina has won multiple awards for creative director for promotional pieces from communication arts. What an impressive journey and experience, <laughs> Christina. I wonder how you feel when you hear that. And I would love to know how it all started as well. Well, I feel really good about that. Um, it's been a long road, let me tell you. I do not look at myself as an instant overnight success by any means. And I'll talk more about that later. But like my success right now is the result of a long string of spectacular failures. <laughs> so um, <laughs> a little bit about my background is that I was born in Sweden and I uh, lived in Stockholm before uh, by chance just came to New York City. And New York City at the time was uh, much different from what it is now. It was less commerce. It was more focused on creativity. And that's really where I landed by chance among this group of really amazing creatives who were all doing, you know, their art on the side. We were talking pookie bands, musicians, painters, writers, just in the heart of the East Village. That's where I ended up. And so that became really the start of my own creative exploration. Although I had dabbled a little bit in that in Sweden. I did photography for many years. I was very interested in photography and still am. I went to photo school. I started writing early in my life. And so I had that in me, but it wasn't until I ended up in New York uh, by a total fluke um, that I mm -hmm. started uh, for real to sort of explore it. And the reason for that is that it was all around 
us as a group, as, as my friendship group and uh, me and my husband. It was just something that people did. It wasn't anything like, oh my God, you're a creative. And it was also at a time where there weren't that many eyes on us. You know, you could explore and take risks and do something and nobody would really care or know about it. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. it's not it's not like that now, I don't think. I think you're much more out there and sort of flying your flag, so to speak. So I see. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. And what I love about your story is that not only you are an artist and a creative person, but also an entrepreneur. So I'm curious to know before we dive into the topic of today of how to enhance our creativity as an entrepreneur, I wonder how was that journey for you navigating that entrepreneurial skill and continuing your art and expressing yourself creatively? How was that journey for you? Well, I didn't start out uh, with any kind of sense for myself in those early days when I came to New York that I had an entrepreneurial uh, streak in me. But I think that just came out very organically. It seemed that I had this like, ability to sort of you know, jump from one rock in the pond to another and and sort of take advantage of what came to me um, pretty much uh, really quickly. I mean, I remember a couple of instances where I sort of something just like clicked in my head and I went, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> and that uh, that sort of brought me to places where I where I had um, inadvertently taken a step up and a step into something that I didn't really know that well, but I kind of figured it out. So I am, you know, my mother used to say, how do you know to do what you do? And I said, I have no idea, but I just, I had a seed somewhere. And I think that seed is, was, and is, is, is planted in something that is uh, made up of curiosity and maybe a lack of fear to explore things. And it mm. could be because early on, nobody was paying attention. So I could sort of, you know, experiment. <laughs> but the field of creativity and entrepreneurship started about 22 years ago for me when I had worked with photography as a photo editor and researcher for a long time. And somebody that I I worked with just suggested that I, you know, start an agency for photographers and represent photographers. That led to me starting out with photographers. And that's sort of how the entrepreneurship started for real. Previously to that, I had been a freelancer in the photography uh, research and editing field. And that's a form of entrepreneurship too, in my mind. Of course. Because you yeah. have Right. It's like a mini business. You have to make nice, make sure you get the next booking, get people to, to get to know you and, you know, send your resume around and be really proactive. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's where that started. Yeah. Yeah. If you had one tip about your personal experience to getting your clients, what is the thing that worked for you the best? Now, you mean? Our clients now? I would say more when you started, you were on your own, a small business. Yeah. Well, thinking back to those days, I, I think you you have to really think about like the opposite end of your mm -hmm. experience is a client that needs something from you. And you can deliver that with grace and levity and still be really efficient and service-minded and provide that person with like exactly what they need exactly at that time. Or you can sort of do it half-assed and sort of not care about the outcome that much. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you have that perspective, which we do at Snyder and I did 
in the early days also is like, you never know where I'm going to meet this client, person, editor the next time. Then it becomes more about the long game and like mm. keeping it sort of the perspective, not one year, not five years, but like forever. And so in those early days, I thought a lot about that. Like in my mind, what it sounded like then was be nice, just be really pleasant and easy to work with. And yeah. I I think that worked. <laughs> Sometimes it's the basics, right? We tend to forget about those important basics. And I often tell my clients, you know, there are for me four pillars for a good marketing strategy, and I'm going to skip the others. But the last one is the one that nobody mentions when we talk about marketing, which is making sure that you are having happy clients deliver your service or your product full heartedly, because the cheapest way to grow your audience, grow your client base is to have happy clients that refer you and come back to you. So I think there's something important to remember as well. Yeah. And that quality, I think about this sometimes, is that an innate quality that people just have? Or is that Mm -hmm. something that you can, that you can acquire? I don't know what you think, but (laughs) that's a good question. You're returning the mic to me, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like that actually, because you're an expert in that. Like I think of it as, you know, a mixture of being a pleasant person to begin with and having, you know, energy that sort of is resolved within you. Um, And and also thinking about that perspective. It's like Mm -hmm. two years from now, I might talk to this person again. You know. Yeah, I love it. And I want to give a short answer because it's about you today. Yeah. But my take on this is that to do it, whether it's innate or not, I think it should be innate. And when it's not, it means that we're missing an alignment somewhere. If we're not doing what we're doing with love, when the end game is about serving the clients and we don't do it with love and care, there is a, a disalignment somewhere. And I would always invite my clients to think, what is it that they're not fully focused on delivering the best service they can? But very often, my clients have the opposite issues, that they care so much, they love so much that they actually lose themselves into into delivering the service and not necessarily uh, the most effective way to be able to actually scale their business. So there's a way to serve and love without necessarily hurting your business and your time and your energy as well. Yeah, when you say that, I think also about the, it's a very big trap to be so service-minded that Mm -hmm. you you become disingenuous, you know, like right. it doesn't come from a real place. It comes from a, a, a place Fear. of flattery, uh, right? Mm-hmm. A place of flattery or a place of like, I want something from you. It becomes transactional in a yeah. sense. So I think the trick is to do it with a very real sense that uh, you want to be of service and provide something exactly. uh, and also think about the future. Yeah, love that. That's a great, that's great conversation here. So to go back to the creativity, just a quick word, Snyder, how big is it? How big is your team today? Well, the internal team, which is uh, me and a co-founder and uh, four other agents located in the US and UK, we're six people all together. Mm-hmm. And wow. then we work with freelancers. And this mm-hmm. is again, the, ter- the internal team, we have three Four freelancers now, but the but the team that is most important is of course our artists, which is around sixty artists that are spread out worldwide. Uh, and without them, obviously, we couldn't do what we do. So amazing. it's a pretty big operation at this point. Yeah, that's amazing! Wow, so beautiful. So what I love is that in everything I've read about you is that you're passionate about creativity, right? And I was wondering before we get into how you recommend people to nourish that creativity, how would you actually define creativity? 
Yeah, that's a very good question. And I still try to define it today. You know, I've, I've thought about it for a long time. I see it as I'm going out on the limb in my my own thinking mm-hmm. here. But you could see it as uh, you talk about the creative force, for example. I, I read somewhere. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So what is it that creative well, force? So I'm a walker. I walk a lot. Mm-hmm. And when I walk, I get ideas and I get sort of bubbles that come up. And the other day I was on a walk and I was sitting in front of this pond, beautiful pond with trees around it. And then I started thinking about creativity as thought bubbles, you know, that come up through the water. It passes mm-hmm. through everything and then it sort of comes out and releases. That's one way that I think you could think of it. But the creative force is something that people have been thinking about and talking about for centuries and thousands of years, right? It is it is something bigger than us. Some people call it divine or godlike. Um, I think it, of it more as a universal force that people that are creative all share. And it sounds very kind of murky and, and strange, but when I think of creativity that started, uh, you know, 30,000 years ago in a cave in France, that had to come from somewhere, the impulse mm-hmm. to paint animals in a cave. And uh, whether it was shamanistic or it was uh, symbolists, uh, symbols of some kind, the art part of it is still there. Mm-hmm. So the creativity is with us, you know, somewhere around us. Uh, and I think that it's possible. Some people speak about this. I'm not an expert, but I think it's possible to download creativity. Mm-hmm. And I also, this is my my own musings again, like nothing scientific, obviously. But I also think that it's a muscle and it's a sort of an impulse that you can nurture so that anything that you think about, you know, redoing a bathroom, impulses come in creativity oh I could have this and how about this and it sounds very very mundane but just as you do when you do an oil painting or you write a poem or you redo a bathroom or you pickle something or you make up a recipe I think creativity is is a huge huge part of it and I know that probably most every person would agree yeah, for sure. For me, creativity on top of the backstory of the caves and as maybe a way of communication, it's a way to communicate, but I also think creativity is a way to look at the world and how we observe the world and how we interpret it and how we can actually, by our observations, also maybe redesign a new world and and and, and find solutions to the challenges we have along the way. But um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And now I think that humanity now has a new challenge to mm-hmm. u- to use the creativity uh, that's within us all, like t- for the better of the world. Um, yeah. Because, uh, you know, I also, my theory is also that the natural world is a uh, huge inspiration for me. Yeah. And so the creativity has to come into play when it comes to um, rescuing the world and our, our, our universe. Sort of, yeah. yeah oh, this yeah. became really deep, really quickly. It is deep. It is very quickly, very deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in the same direction, in a way, my question, my next question is what role do you see creativity play in entrepreneurship and when running a business? Well, I don't really think that it's a role, I think it's one and the same. 
mm-hmm. uh, at least for me. And so I may be different in the sense that if I didn't have creativity or I didn't work with a creative um, solution of some kind, I wouldn't go into business. I mean, my businesses have been been uh, based on creativity and and, th- and by that, I mean, not just the output, but also the internal thing that I have sort of come up with and I've designed. So I'm not a person that could sit and maybe manufacture something that didn't have a personal meaning to me. Mm-hmm. So do you see what I mean? Like to, without creativity for me, I wouldn't have entrepreneurship, I don't think. Mm. Right. Yeah. Is that that may sound like a cop out, but yeah. Yeah. How about those who are not creative and who are entrepreneurs? How do you think that could play into their Uh, journey? You know. Yeah. I think that if you have entrepreneurship in your mind Mm -hmm. there has to be creativity i mean Mm -hmm. going back to what i just said and going the opposite way if you have a restaurant you have to think about creative solutions to everything Mm -hmm. like how am i going to staff it what's it going to look like what does it feel like Uh, who's going to do the logo what's the menu i mean try to think of a business that doesn't involve creativity i i'm i'm at a loss uh maybe making staplers but (laughs) i think (laughs) i say that because one of my cousins worked for a staple uh company but i i I doubt it i doubt it yeah i think it's all about how we look at creativity right how we look at um what it means somehow if if we think that coming up with day-to-day solutions in in our day-to-day business is being creative. I agree with you, right? Yeah, just that just made me think of like creativity may be intimidating to people when you mm-hmm. say it like that because it sounds right. like Beethoven or mm-hmm. you know Van Gogh or you know it sounds like so big because mm-hmm. it's sort of scary in a way. Like I'm not like that at all, but I think most people would agree that some some degree of creativity enters into whatever you do in life. I agree for sure. However, I do know from my own experience that sometimes we feel like we are drained and lacking creativity. Like, for example, in my field, being creative is important to come up with new ideas in terms of marketing strategies and things like that. And sometimes it feels like, oh, my God, like looking for a name or even in the copywriting. These are all areas where there is the logics behind it. And I think you do make somewhere a difference between uh, the relationship between logical thought and creativity. And I want to go there into that with you as well. But sometimes we do get stuck, even if we're an entrepreneur. So what would you recommend to do or what practices maybe you have to to nurture mm-hmm. that creativity, to, to, to make sure that it comes. Yeah. Well, I, th- yeah, I, I <laughs> think we, I, I think we have to seek for something when we feel like that. Mm-hmm. If you feel like that, you might be drained. You might mm-hmm. just need to sort of seek something that will inspire you because with creativity, of course, it's, it's uh, linked to, to inspiration. So inspire yourself. A few years ago, I read a very important book that many people probably know of called The Artist Way. Mm -hmm. And The Artist Way is a way of sort of hyper sort of pumping up your own creativity and your own brain uh, activity when it comes to that. So one of the things that they recommend there is to go on a date with yourself to a museum or a gallery or whatever you want to go and and just just for that purpose to get inspiration so that's one thing but also 
create some quiet around you, perhaps, you know, because inspiration are like those bubbles at the pond. They just may come to you. And, and this is a theory. This is not just my own theory, but this is an established thing that when your uh, brain is busy doing something mundane, like showering, the famous mm -hmm. shower uh, analogy, right? Mm -hmm. My best ideas come to me when I'm in the shower. I thought when I was were... the only one. <laughs> no, no, no. This is this established theory. Vacuuming. I called it the idea so good. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I talked to somebody else about this. Uh, when I had an office on Broadway and Canal in New York City, years ago I used to go to a, a store a low budget chain store and just like look through clothes like clack 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 and my brain would just relax and clean itself out and then I, I could start again so I, I think it's like disengaging your conscious brain really mm, there, there is exactly. some theory around us yes yeah but yeah. what I do I sort of torture my my team with this a lot like I go for walks. I go for like an hour walk every day. And I, I don't listen to podcasts, but I bring my phone with me and ideas come to me. And then I stop and record them and then I keep walking. So I think mm. there's something just like with um, a canine, a dog needs to move their legs to feel good because it's connected to the brain. I think humans are the same. So walking mm -hmm. is one thing. Another really big thing for me is just to go to art galleries and museums, which I love, like to, to see what pe other people have come up with. So mm -hmm. two simple things that you could do um, that do not seem really connected to entrepreneurship, but I think that you would be surprised what right. bubbles up when you do some of that. I agree with you so much on this one and I can see it with myself. I remember, as I said, I had a phase where I was really feeling stuck, like I couldn't come up with ideas. And I realized the reason is because I had stopped at some point making time to actually disengage my, my, my consciousness, like you said, like doing things that have nothing to do with business. Walking yeah. is one thing, uh, but also going on weekends, going to the museum. For me, it's also sometimes going to lectures about something completely different than business yeah. Yeah. Uh, is something that helps me as well. Listening to people's stories from different backgrounds who don't come from necessarily the business world. Um, it just happened to me recently on top of the idea box. Once I was just doing my hair, I was focused on <laughs> doing my curls <laughs> and suddenly bling. And I think I was so focused on my curls that finally I let go and that I, the download, like we say, just came in for that idea oh. I was looking for. And another time I was at a TEDx talk actually this weekend about AI <laughs> machines and machine learning, nothing to do with um, what I do, but somehow an idea came in that had nothing to do with what the speaker was talking about. Yeah. But because my attention was somewhere else, that my subconscious was welcoming new thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the, the big thing is how do you capture that? Do you, do you write it down or do you like I do, like I record it on my voice app just to capture it? Because if I've learned that if I don't capture it, yeah. I will totally forget about it. It'll be Definitely. just gone in a flash. Yeah. I wrote it down on paper and I have a small notebook that follows me everywhere I go where I write things that come. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a notes when I don't have the notebook, I have a notes in my phone. But I think voice memos are also something a lot of people use. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have like 497 notes on my phone. <laughs> but I go back and I, I sort of transcribe them and delete some of them. So yeah, 
Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that you talk about making sure to write them down because they go away. And I remember Elizabeth Gilbert that I'm sure that you're familiar with. Yeah. And she has this book that I love that's called The Big Magic. Uh, that oh, I don't I know if you've had the chance yeah, yeah. Yeah, read to it. read yeah, it. It's amazing. Uh, it was so good. So freeing in terms of the pressure we feel when it's about creativity. So whoever's thinking of your creativity, even if you're not looking at writing a book because she focuses on authors, it's still a very helpful book about welcoming creativity into your world. Yeah. But I loved what you said about keeping note of whatever comes to you so that you don't forget it because it might just flow for three seconds and then go away and you can't remember it anymore. And the other thing I think is making it a habit to do those intentional moments. A lot of people think, and I'm, I'm guilty of that as well until recently where I decided to make it a priority because we're not working on our business. It means we're not working on our business. And for me, creating intentionally that routine in our calendar and no negotiable routine space to go for a walk or do another activity or listen to, I don't know, music, whatever that can help you disconnect from your business so that you can maintain the creativity so that in hard times you have that space mm -hmm. to disconnect and find solutions. I agree. You know, do you know Rangan Chatterjee, the doctor oh. based in England? Oh, I'm I'm such a huge fan of Rangan Chatterjee. He's a, he's a medical doctor, but he has an amazing podcast. So for everybody listening, he's he's kind of like my guru, one of my gurus, I should say. He talks about this concept of creating like a mental vacation every day. Mm. And his, in his case, it's like he, he puts his phone down every night at six o'clock and he's just with his family. He has two children, he's married. And so his mental vacation is that time. For me, my mental vacation is I wake up really early, like maybe 5.30. I live in the country, so it's like there's quiet around me. And I always have that time between 5.36 till 8, 8.30 uh, when I go for my walk. And so the morning is very sacred to me. This is the, That's where I just spend time with myself. And I think the creativity that I sort of try to encourage in myself is, is like I said before, it is like something you can train. It's almost like a muscle that you can encourage and sort of have be more prominent if you actually focus on it. And that's something I wanted to say. And now I remember, I think as women, we're also very used to not taking our thoughts uh, seriously, uh, writing them down and say like, this is something, this is really something I should do or think about, or I should act upon that. It's systemic, you know, in our world, unfortunately, um, that we sort of dismiss ourselves that way. And that is something that you can be conscious of, aware of, that you should take your thoughts and your impulses and your creative ideas very seriously. I think I think that's very important. I think that's so good that you're talking about that as well, because I mm -hmm. do think that women, we talk a lot about mental load and the invisible load of, yeah. of women and caregivers. And that's also often the reason why they struggle to actually live up to their full potential and live up to their full creativity. Because very often these women are super creative. They're just buckling that in a bottle and all the load that they have to think about beyond just themselves yeah 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 I, I think a lot of women have a condition that way so it's, it's like i said systemic it's uh mm -hmm. if we don't take care of other people or consider other people or think about how other people feel all the time we feel like failures 
perhaps, but there's mm -hmm. a way to uncondition that as well. And mm -hmm. I, I wrote a, a LinkedIn post about this a while ago about uh, what would I have accomplished in my life if I, if I could be completely selfish, completely selfish. And I made the example of Picasso as a, as a very worn out example of somebody who had women all around him all the mm -hmm. time to take care of the children and houses. And he was just in his studio and painting you know mm -hmm. and so that is something that i i don't think a lot of women talk about this it seems unfeminine not feminine or unsupportive somehow so but, yeah. it, but it's something that i think about i don't have children so i've had this privileged life of being able to focus on myself a lot but i have still focused a lot on other people in my life so I can just imagine if you have children of your own, it must be very hard, but it's important. Oh my God. I love that you highlighted that. That's so good. <laughs> By the way, we mentioned so many great resources here that when you're listening to Matt Nation, I will make sure to put them in the show notes of this episode. We mentioned so many books and authors and also maybe your LinkedIn article might be interesting as well. If, sure. if you have yeah. it, we'll yeah, add yeah. it. So we'll find it now my nation on tandemnomads.com slash 288. I'll put it there. So we could continue this conversation on and on, but I would love to know what are the things that you find like we could maybe cover and we didn't cover today to help entrepreneurs make sure that they nurture their creativity or if they're stuck, what they could do to do that. Is there anything else you feel like we didn't cover that you'd like to or a message you'd like to share? Yeah, something that I talk about sometimes is failure. And I said at the top mm. of our conversation that I wanted to just say a few more things about that. And I think it's like a lot of people are so afraid of failing. Mm. It, it's like the worst thing in the world, whether you fail at a marriage or a business or anything. And I fostered as I was in those early days when nobody was paying attention. Um, I think you should really go towards failure in the sense that you should embrace it and try to fail very fast if you can. Sort of like, I'm failing, this is not working, I'm ending it, there it is, I'm moving on. That's also a bit of a practice kind of thing that you, you could practice, but I think the final thought would be don't be afraid of failure. It's actually a training for success. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important to embrace that. And you were talking earlier about you know, some of the reasons why people sometimes don't serve their clients a lot. And for me, often it is the people who spend too much time actually caring in every detail of their clients, but not necessarily effectively. Sometimes it's also because they're so lacking so much confidence in themselves that they need to over deliver and give things that the client doesn't even need. So that's also not helping the client either. So confidence, I think, is really important in this journey and self-love to be able to accept to fail and fail fast and fail forward. Right. And it's a, confidence and self-love is a very important factor also in this. And mm -hmm. I'm happy that you bring that up because uh, what is that? That is a sort of a self-acceptance and a knowledge about what you are. Like, I know that so many members of, of of the internal team at Snyder is so much better at certain things that I 
I'm not good at. So it's it's actually knowing your strengths, but also being able to uh, know other people's strengths and know that not everybody can be everything, but together we can sort of form a whole. So I think self-knowledge and, and, and knowing what you can deliver and not sort of overdo it is very important too. Yeah. Yeah. Good that. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You work with a lot of clients. There's a lot of artists who might be listening today. And I would like you to tell us a little bit about what do you provide to artists and who are your clients so that we can understand a little bit how your business yeah. works. Yeah. So we are an artist representation agency and we also do creative production in form of animation. So we represent uh, in the US and the UK, uh, a team of about 60 artists that do commercial art that's geared towards, you know, advertising, design, packaging, etc. So, so for those artists that are interested, we are Snyder.com and we provide uh, support to them. We not only get clients for them. We also negotiate, we help with contracts, we help develop them and help with their uh, career to make them like the strongest that they can be in this area. Uh, And same with animation and the animators that we work with. And some of our clients, I mean, we work with a broad spectrum of clients from the biggest of the biggest, you know, uh, Meta, Um, Netflix, Google, um, that stratosphere, but also with smaller companies and and cultural institutions. So a small company that we love working with is Seattle Chocolate. It's a a women-owned chocolate manufacturing company in Seattle. And we've also worked with cultural institutions and, and organizations that support women around the world, like UN Women, We've also mm-hmm. worked with uh, cultural institutions like the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. So our client base is wide and very deep. So we're super proud of the fact that we are appealing to so many different kinds of, of clients. I love it. This is so inspiring. So you do work with a lot of artists as well. And for those who are listening and who are artists, because we talked about initially how entrepreneurs in a way, you said you consider that entrepreneurs are by definition creative people. The question is, are creative people entrepreneurs as well? Because I, I meet a lot of creative people who don't see themselves as entrepreneurs. What would you have to say to that? Oh, definitely. I mean, our artists, that, that we try to instill in our artists that they are actually, this is a, a business relationship that we have with them, you know, representing them to the commercial market. It is a commercial and business relationship. And if you are an artist that want to establish yourself in the commercial field, you by definition have a business. You mm-hmm. are an entrepreneur because you're a one person uh, show, or maybe you work with some other people to form a team, but it is it is a business. So that's a very important part of what we try to help with, you know, to see, mm-hmm. to see your uh, activity as a business, as opposed to, oh, I just dabble in art, because that's not the case on our level where we work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. this is so good. I love that. And it's sometimes just shifting the thought because I do see a lot of artists that say, I do this for the art. I don't want to make it money. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. if, then it's a hobby. It's not a source of income. And if it's True. not a source of income, if you don't take it as a business, it would be very hard to live off of it. Yeah, we get that a lot too. When when artists come to us and look for representation, they say like, oh, I just want to really do my art. I don't know how to market it. That sort of makes us go, 
mm, that's not really the partnership that we're looking for. And of mm. course, you can grow and change and learn things. That's always the case, no matter how big you are or how small or inexperienced you are. I think that it's just very important to understand that you're not here to just sit and draw your stuff. It's like you are <laughs> in the commercial market and people are going to ask you to do their stuff. You know, we, we talk a lot yeah. about that uh, internally. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a historic culture about artists are supposed to be poor and i think that's a mindset that we need to change in, the, yes. in this world exactly oh yeah absolutely and that, it's an interesting thought whether that is uh, culturally or is that internal or where that comes from but yeah. um yeah i agree with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> well this was a fascinating conversation thank you so much christina and where is the best place to find you if you want to connect or learn more about what you do our website is wearesnyder.com uh, my personal Instagram handle is aka underscore Christina Snyder. And the business Instagram handle is we are Snyder underscore. And then I'm really active on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm Christina Snyder on LinkedIn. Fabulous. So Nomad Nation, you'll find all this information in the show notes of this episode on tandemnomads.com slash 288. Thank you so much, Christina. This was so much fun. Oh, thank you, Amel. It was great of you to have me. And thank you. I, it was great to talk to you. My pleasure. Cinema Nation, and we can't wait to hear from you. If you have any feedback, reach out to us. And uh, I look forward to meeting you in the next episode. Stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities. <laughs>